Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Without further ado! That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to Buckets. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joined by my colleague, NBA futures analyst, Brandon Anderson. And this is your Southeast Division win totals and division bets podcast. We are going to break down all of the Southeast Division teams. And as I've started to discover, many people don't know what teams those are. So it's the Heat, the Hawks, the Wizards. (laughs) Uh, the Magic and the Hornets. Those are the teams that we'll be covering in today's show. I'll have corresponding articles breaking down my the case for the over, the case for the under, and an eventual bet on these teams over at actionnetwork.com. We will go back and put those links into the podcast description when they are ready, because I have not quite gotten them all the way done, done most of the work, enough to do the, do the podcast. So... Brandon, we're going to go ahead and get started. A reminder that everything we talk about today, as well as our best bets, can be found on the award-winning Action Network app. The best way for you to track your picks, get up to the second information on where the bets and money you're coming in on. Uh, I put in win totals this week. I've added win totals. I'm going to add another one after this podcast that we get done. Uh, as I've come to the conclusion on another one that I want to bet today that we'll talk about, you can track all that as well as Brandon's Dynamite NFL coverage. Uh, he's got the week one, every single game bet lean pass up a very popular article you check that out in the action network app get ready for your nfl weekend betting and of course we've also got all of the nba stuff covered as well brandon let's go ahead and start if you are interested in how brandon reaches his projections you can listen to our how to bet nba win totals podcast that's going to give you a lot more information on our approaches we are on a time crunch so we are going to go ahead and not go into the deep dive on that so Let's start with a team that we both have a lot of kind of thoughts on, which is the Atlanta Hawks. Okay. Over under 46 and a half. There's a 47 and a half over at plus 125. So if you're leaning towards the over, you can find a plus 125, but you got to pay another, another win over, over at points bet. Um, Brandon, let's start real simple here. What's your projection for the Atlanta Hawks? So I have the Hawks winning 46 to 52 games. So right in the range that we're looking at, though the numbers we're at are on the low end of the projection there. I have Atlanta as the number three offense and number 18 defense, which is similar to what they were last year. Last year, the Hawks finished second offensively, previous season eighth offensively. But I have Atlanta improving on defense basically from bad to eh, about average, close to average. So I know that's the thing we're going to talk about here. 
one of the things that I like on as I do my, my system is I come up with these similarities and look for, okay, so who else? If, if you finish about third on offense and 18th on defense, who does that look similar to in recent years? And I thought these two similarities were really fascinating, both from 2019. So we're back a few years, but the Portland Trailblazers and the Houston Rockets. And those feel like really good comps to me. You got, you got Dame and CJ, lots of offense, no defense. And then you had James Harden and Chris Paul and just enough defense to try to get by. You basically have these solid 50 to 55 win type teams that are capable of a run because the offense is that good and offense is more important than defense. Defense is not half of the game. Offense is more. The Hawks should be great offensively. I think that their floor is pretty high because of that. Okay, so is the over on this going to be a best bet for you? The over is a best bet for me. I like the Hawks over. I like the Hawks division play. Atlanta, to me, is is not the clear favorite in the division, but given where the number is at, is the clear play in the division for me. What's the number on the division? Just so I I've got plus 190. Plus 190. Um, I think there's probably some value there. I put them in some parlays uh, as far as my division. I do a lot of division parlays because I'm a degenerate. So let's start with this question. DeJounte Murray is the key addition, obviously. They sent out uh, a ton of stuff, especially draft picks, to get DeJounte Murray. What's interesting is that they they did not do what a lot of people expected them to do, which was to make more roster change. People were really convinced, like, okay, this is finally when they're going to trade John Collins. Nope, John Collins is still fucking there. Still not traded. The lineup looks awesome. It's Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Clint Capella, who's still there, despite, again, them actively looking to trade him and having several discussions. Uh, Onyeka Okongwu is off the bench. AJ Griffin off of the bench. Like, they have a lot of talent on this roster. They lose Danilo Gallinari, who, again, I've been trying to kind of explain to people, kind of not necessarily as good as their people have kind of talked like yeah. is like not not a huge loss there um mo harkless is, is banging around we can't forget about bogdan Bogdanovich. also you know could wind up starting depending on what their rotations look like this is a make or break it year for deandre hunter they add justin holiday who's a really good player they've got aaron holiday who i like but hasn't done anything yet chris silva is a very capable player like they're deep they have lots of talent they add jalen johnson and aj griffin in the draft the, the roster is really good, but at the center of it is DeJounte Murray. What do you think about the DeJounte Murray, Trey Young fit in terms of winning NBA regular season basketball games? I think it's a strong fit. DeJounte Murray can really only help this team. The last two years, the Hawks expected win total was 45 and 47.8. And we basically took that team, didn't take away anything of big significance, in my opinion. You mentioned Gallinari, Kevin Herter is gone, Lou Williams. Those might be additions by subtraction. Those three guys are terrible defenders. DeJounte Murray is a good defender. He's not going to fix this defense on his own, but he is he's not just a good defender. He is an elite defender for a guard. And more importantly, because Trey Young is going to be doing everything offensively, DeJounte Murray can put more of his energy into defense and really get after guys and take, you know, be the lead perimeter defender there. And because DeJounte Murray is around to handle some of the load offensively. Trey Young doesn't have to do quite everything like he has in the past. Maybe he'll even try every now and then. Like once every eighth play on defense, once every sixth play, just a little effort from Trey Young. And it's amazing too. We see this a lot of times scouting college guys as they come to the pros. There are a lot of players who are elite engines for their team in college that are awful defensively. 
And then they get to the pros and it's like, oh, hey, you're actually okay. Why? Because you have a little bit of energy. You no longer have to do everything for your team. And that helps on defense. So I think DeJounte Murray helps both ends. He's going to raise the floor defensively, just having someone at the point of attack. Also key thing for this Atlanta team, they have never found in the last few years a backup for Trey Young. They've never found that other second guy to help run the bench unit, to help give Trey a bit of a rest. DeJounte is that guy now. He's going to be able to keep the engine decent, like keep the offense decent while he's rolling there. So I, I like the addition a lot. I had, for me, DeJounte would have been a third-team All-NBA pick last season. He was that good. Wow. He's not going to be that good for the Hawks because he's not going to have the ball as much. But I like what he adds on both ends. And I think especially in the regular season, turning that defense from bad to almost average when you have an offense that should be this good is a big floor raiser in the regular season. They were the most disappointing team last season to me. Of any team, they were the most disappointing. Um, I had the over on them. I was heavy on the over. It was the best bet for me. And they completely, t- and they couldn't explain it either. Like they were, they were incapable of explaining why they couldn't get it together, why they couldn't win games, why they couldn't get stops. That does linger with me a little bit here. I don't believe that one player can fundamentally transform a defense. I especially don't believe it in a perimeter player. So if it's going to happen, it's going to have to be like a team-wide improvement. And I'm not sure they have the personnel. I don't know if Capella is there anymore. I really like DeAndre Hunter. I think John Collins. John Collins is, is at right now, I would say there are possessions where he's really bad. And there's possessions where he's really good. The bad ones outweigh the good ones, I think, by about 1.15 possessions is about the the split of it. Mm. There's very little in the middle where it's like he's fine. He's either really good or it's like, oh, he just got cooked. The effort for me is there with John Collins. I think John Collins wants to win. Minimum 100 possessions last season as a pick and roll screener, like on the roll, either popping or rolling to the rim. John Collins was the most efficient player in the NBA. He was the best pick and roll weapon in the NBA last season. That's with a point guard. He doesn't necessarily get along with a lot of the time, although they did play (laughs) together in the pro-ams this summer. So maybe that relationship's improving. This is a stay away for me. I like the 190 on the division. I don't love it. A lot of this is that I can't necessarily, there's too many, let me put it this way. There's not like a lot of reasons for me to bet the under. There's just a lot of reasons for me not to bet the over. I've talked a lot about the Pythagorean win differential. The Hawks last year were minus 1.6 with tracks. They were worse than they should have been record-wise. They should have won more games. That sounds like the Hawks. Unfortunately, those teams tend to go under the following season. I looked at bottom five defensive teams and how those teams do the following season. By the way, there have only been, in the last 10 years, two other teams with a win total above 45 that had a defense that was ranked below 25 over at clean the glass only two other teams there was a nuggets team and a timberwolves team they went one and one over under but bottom five defensive teams overall the following season are 20 and 14 to the under so as a historical trend the bad defensive teams tend to go under the following season and if you say like doesn't that make sense that the bad teams go under not necessarily because this is all baked into like what the number is right it's about what's the expectation the general trend for the bad teams is they go a little bit more over than some of the middle tier teams and the high tier teams the hawks were a good team that was bad defensively 
Um, and so I have a lot of concerns on that end. And then there's also just, I'm worried about the whole trade thing. Everyone was very confused. They didn't make any moves. Like they want to start Onyeka Okongwu, but Clint Capella's there making a ton of money. So he's going to start. Like they wanted to clear more space for DeAndre Hunter, but Bogdanovich is still there and he's still going to get minutes. They cleared Herter and that's it. I, I have the same kind of concerns about chemistry, especially given the relationship of Trey Young and DeJounte Murray is very strong. I'm worried that's going to alienate some of the other guys on that team that are like, mm-hmm. hey, I, I've got a career too. So I have concerns there. They do have the third easiest schedule according to positive residual. They have a very high number of rest advantage games, a low number of back-to-backs, and a low number of rest disadvantage games. So in general, they're pretty good. Trey's going to be a, like, I don't love the under again, because Trey is amazing. Trey is underrated at this point for how he's, he's talked about 28 and 10 last year on 46, 38, 90 splits. And he can be better. Like Trey young is a legit MVP candidate. He's one of the most impactful players in the NBA offensively. Um, I think this team can be good. I, I have to stay away from it based off of those trends, but I don't blame you for taking the over. Yeah. I think to me, the, the thing that would, if this goes poorly, I think Nate McMillan is done. And Nate McMillan for me is the biggest reason to take an under here. Like I don't love McMillan with this team. You talked about the chemistry and getting guys the right minutes and rotations. That's coaching. And there are certain coaches you plug them in here. I think you would like this team a lot better because you would trust that some of those things would get solved by a Spolstra or a pop or a coach that you trust. McMillan is not that. I I do really like though. You mentioned Onyeko Kongwu. I think he will be starting by the end of the season. And uh, Capella physically, it's it's clearly not what it once was and it's falling off. Okong was a really good defender. I, I really, if voters would actually look and give credit, I would really like Okongwu for most improved player. Don't bet it. Don't do it because he's not going to win. He's not going to score the points or do the things that we give that award for. But on the court, I think Okongwu could be a most improved type candidate in the impact that he makes with this team and I think, too, like we, this is not a Bulls podcast, but I'm the local Bulls guy. We've had a lot of Chicago talk on here. I underestimated last year what Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball could add to that defense to raise their floor as point of attack defenders. To me, that's what I'm seeing from DeJounte Murray here. Not a good defense, not a great one, but can he just slow things down a little bit? And Collins, not a terrible defender. He's actually gotten much better in recent years. The centers are there. What what do you think, what's the ceiling or range of outcomes for this defense? Can they get to about average or is that just too far for you to see? Yeah, if they really buckle down, they could get to 16th, 16th to 14th. I could see that happening. Like us looking yeah. at them like, hey, they're top 15. And that's more than good enough. The offense will be good enough and then they're going over. Like yeah. that's, a, that's a reasonable expectation. Uh, I will say one of the problems is you talked about the Bulls comparison. The reason I like those Bulls additions was because of the scheme that they're going to run. Capella's real value is on the switch. It used to be. He's gotten worse at that. He's not a great drop defender. So even if you have these additional wings to help defensively, which does help in drop, if your center is a weak point in drop coverage, it doesn't necessarily make up for it. So like, and if they switch, then Trey's in, yeah. in trouble. So it's like the the fit isn't necessarily as clear as I liked it last year with Chicago. Sure. It's a good point about the impact of wings on a scheme defensively. But you have to have the the personnel to do like four years ago. I think Capella could be a great drop defender, and this would work. I just think that Capella's got too many miles on him. Yeah, uh, that's let's fair. move on. Just to to go ahead and get over here, the Orlando Magic. 
The over is 26 and a half. This is going to be a over under is 26 and a half. This is my best. My best bet for the division is going to be the over. And I'll talk about why in a minute. But first, Brandon, what's your projection for the Orlando Magic? So I lean under here, but I'm mostly staying away. I project the Magic from 20 to 27 wins. So that puts this number on the high end here. But the offense is a problem for me. Mm -hmm. I right now, I have the offense dead last. I have them 30th in the NBA offensively this year because I don't trust the guards on this team. Maybe they'll get there, but right now, Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz, they ain't it. They are not good, and you need guards to run the offense. Now, Orlando happens to have not one but two forwards who can run the offense and do a lot of good things. That's Paolo this year, and that's Franz Wagner, who is showing out in Eurobasket right now. So if I'm wrong about the Magic being that bad offensively, I think it will be because of those forwards being good. The defense was good last season. I think that's a Jamal Mosley thing, so that helps to raise the floor a little bit. And the reason why I'm staying away, if, if you are truly the 30th offensively, then I have to play an under because you're just not going to be good. That's what the numbers always tell us. But the reason I'm staying away is I definitely don't think this is a tank team. This absolutely is one of the patented, like my Timberwolves love to do in recent years, this team's going to try. At the end of the year, they're going to say, no, 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 we don't need a tank. We got our guys. We need to establish culture. We need to go get some wins. And I could see being right about an under most of the way. And then the Magic inexplicably try for the last three weeks and push to get your 27, 28, 29 wins. So that's my projection for them. But I know you are really high on the Magic. So I want to hear your case. Oh, well, okay. Let's 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 put that into perspective. Relatively speaking. Yeah, relatively speaking, I'm very high on the Magic. Um, there's concern here. I'm not saying that this is a lock because if you tell me like they won 33 games, I'd be like, wow, everything went right. And that's only a, you know, a, a six point game differential between the over under what's funny here, Brandon is in a lot of ways, this is actually, um, I talked a lot about how I'm trying to play the number a lot more than the team. This is definitely a team play for me hmm. is that I think the market is behind on the internal improvement here. So just to run things real quick, Markel Fultz, basically he can't hit threes really good passer, really efficient two-point scorer. He can finish inside. Is he ever going to be great? No. Is that an upgrade over what they had last season when Fultz missed almost the entire season? Yeah. Like they just, when they lost both Fultz and Cole Anthony, even if you don't think those players are great, those are definitely NBA players. Yes. And so losing them causes depth that was worse than them to now have to take the majority of the minutes. Um, I cannot be more in on Paolo Bancaro for a variety of reasons, not just summer league, but just in general, I think his game is going to translate really well. So I think Paolo is going to impact things more than, than most rookies. I will admit that I haven't gone back and looked at the case by case of number one picks in the over-unders. That's something that we should do. I will do that because you're doing NFL, but I will do that um, <laughs> and take a look at that. Maybe we'll do an update on the next episode. But for me, like I think Paolo is legitimately that good. I think Franz Wagner went so far under the radar last year that he, there is so much room for internal improvement here. Like Jalen Suggs was really good defensively last season. That's a big key here. The They were 17th in adjusted defensive rating at dunks and threes. Like this was a not bad defense, which is crazy for how young they are. Wendell Carter Jr. is a guy I cannot be more in on. I was so out on him in Chicago. I'm so in on him now. You get Markel Fultz back. Jalen Suggs, internal improvement year over year. Paolo Bancaro's addition. Franz Wagner emerging as, you know, maybe the second best player on the team. Wendell Carter Jr. 
adding Paolo means you can send Mobamba to the bench who they retained. And I like that role for him as like a, just a big that can hit threes and, and, and run the floor and be Mobamba ish off, you know, off the bench. I like that combo. All of this combined with the fact that teams that were bottom five in offensive rating with a win total below 500 have gone over in 18 out of 32. It's 18 and 14. That's not a huge differential, but it's enough for me to feel like there's a little bit in the last 10 years of underrating the offensive teams and previous season unders with a win total between 25 and 30 are 14 and eight to the under. So there's like a number here that goes against that, that basically says like, look, if you went under and you're still supposed to be bad, you still tend to go under, which gets us back to the central question of the tank job. Like, I am putting my faith that this team is going to be good enough for them to feel like, no, you know what? Let's try and let's actually try and win. Let's actually try and build some momentum. Scoot Henderson, Victor Womanyama, there will probably be a, a, a player out of college, probably the Arkansas kid that will wind up those three guys. I think Scoot Henderson and Womanyama are probably going to wind up pretty close teams. People are already picking apart Womanyama either for the foot or the international play. Like he's going to get picked yeah. apart, right? I think Scoot Henderson will probably get raised up a little bit. I think there will be less of an incentive to out. And I especially think it's going to be hard for the magic to be as bad as the teams that we, we talked about with teams like San Antonio, maybe Indiana. And if they can't reach it, why not go ahead? If you're already above them, why not go for it? This is the best bet over for me, but it is entirely based off of my personnel analysis. The number is not awesome. If you're going to play it, don't play it big. I'm not going to play it big but it is the best bet for this division for me for the over. Let's go to the Charlotte Hornets, who I know you have a best bet on. I do. I, I'm under on the Charlotte Hornets. So uh, just to get the number out there, go ahead. 36 and a half. There's an under minus 105 at both points bet and DraftKings right now. All right. So 36 and a half. I have Charlotte projected at 30 to 36 wins. So my entire projection outcome for Charlotte is below the rate here, which is that basically if that, when that happens, that keys immediately, that's probably a best bet for me at the Hornets 19th on both offense and defense here. I'm very worried about the team. Charlotte last two years expected wins. Sorry, not last year, but the, the, the previous two years, 37.6 and 36.4. That's at this number. This is a team that is basically running it back with one very important exception as far as we know, there ain't no Miles Bridges involved next year. And that is 2,800 minutes from a guy that was clearly, clearly their second best player who made a big leap and was a huge part of what they did well last year. So you take that away, and I don't know what the case is for optimism here. Maybe it's just you believe in LaMelo making another leap. But other than that, I think this team actually reminds me of the Hornets from before last year, which was the Hornets from before Miles breaking out, and they weren't a good team. Uh, I have Charlotte as the 12th seed in the East right now, and I think that that is important because of this reason. Only 10 teams make the play-in, and I have a real tier drop-off from teams 9 and 10 to the teams after that, who are the teams we're about to talk to so much. Like, at 36 and a half, that number tells me if you go over, you are at least trying you're, you're in contention until the final days for the play-in race. In the East, if you win 37 games, you're in that play-in race. I don't have the Hornets close to the play-in race. I have them well short, not like fighting for that last win or two. I think the play-in race is over for them early. So I have to take the under here. 
uh, minus 275 to miss the playoffs. You know, I don't play the long numbers, but 73% there. Uh, I basically give them no shot at a top six seed. I think their ceiling is probably a nine seed. And now you have to win two playing games with a team that neither one of us are going to believe in with LaMelo and the rest of these guys. I think that's a good bet too. I'm out on the Hornets. I want to be with you. I want to be with you, Brandon, but I can't <laughs> be. Um, I want to ask you this question. You're less emotionally volatile than I am. So I want to ask you this. Do you ever miss so badly on a bet that you just, you have to take a break from betting that team for a while? Uh, week to week. Yes. Uh, week, week to week, especially like in an NFL during, during a short season, sometimes you just like, nope, not yeah, I'm out. I'm out on this team. So you're here on Charlotte. I take it. Yeah. I hammered their under last year. Cause I was like, <laughs> this team sucks. This team is not good. This team got worse. They objectively got worse. And then they went way over. And I really don't know how. I, I really don't. Things were so bad. They fired Borrego. The word is, is just like it's a locker room thing, which is why they brought in Steve Clifford. Like they need discipline. I hated how LaMelo played last year. Like I watched a lot of Hornets games. Just happened to be on when I was uh, doing dishes or whatever else. When I was like, when I was like watching the, the early East Coast teams, that's usually the team I was watching hated the way he played did not like the way lamella ball played did not on either end of the floor miles was a lot of it bridges because of his ongoing legal investigation has not been re-signed as a restricted free agent and nobody in the league expects him to be because that situation is horrific it's horrific um we have to talk about in this context because he's so important to the the win total last year i don't i can't avoid talking about him but i don't like talking about him in a basketball context given how horrific that incident is the hayward problem when Gordon Hayward's healthy and they haven't been able to move him, they went 26 and 23. They went 17 and 17 when he was not there. That makes me a little bit nervous just in terms of like, I don't think Hayward's going to be around because he always gets hurt. But what if he is? Uh, Steve Clifford teams, 2-0 and the over in his first years. Whenever he takes over a team, they get it together. The expectations are low. He's usually brought in to like try and rescue a franchise from being a joke. He does a pretty good job. Teams with a win total, if it's five or less, are 27 and 22 the under? The market accurately knows when teams are headed in the wrong direction, essentially. When there's like a, a, a big move down for a team, they tend to go under. So all of this kind of indicates, I, I definitely lean under. If you like Brandon's yeah. analysis, but you would like to get a second on it, I second it as a lean. I can't bet it just because I don't, I, I it hurt too badly to watch this team <laughs> that should not have been good last year somehow get over 500. So I'm going to stay away from it. That's Brandon's uh, best bet under 36 and a half. Yeah. Clifford does make me a little nervous here just because he's a floor raiser, at least initially we've talked a lot about him offline. He's going to help the defense, but I'm factoring that in. Like when I say that I had the Hornets 19th on defense, that is because Steve Clifford is in town. Like that has given a lot of benefit of the doubt because Clifford is around to help them, but there's not a lot of defense on this team. I like Mark Williams, the guy they drafted, but rookie defenders in the post, not usually a great addition there right away. So I just, I, I don't see it. There's not a lot of wing or guard depth on the team. There's really not a backup point guard at all. And there's like six big dudes on this team, like young big guys, because they just keep on drafting them all and none of them have hit yet. And they have not developed them either. So just, it, it's a team going in a bad direction. The Washington Wizards are at 35 and a half for the over. There's an under 36, which you can find at Circus Sports. So there are 36s in the market and 35s and a half. Um, so make sure that you shop around as always. What's your projection for the Washington Wizards? 
I've got Washington 32 to 40 wins. I mentioned the Hornets were my 12 seed. The Wizards are my 11 seed. The books have them about even. They've got the Hornets slightly ahead. I have it backwards from that. I have the Wizards slightly ahead. I have Washington 21st on offense, 17th on defense. Very, like the teams they compare to are all, every one of them is just very much a fringe play-in team. Somewhere in that mid-30s-ish range, there's a lot of veteran dudes on this team. Like there's, there's, just, there's a lot of guys that you'd be like, hey, I wonder if that guy's available. We could use a nice eighth man on our team. Washington's got a lot of eighth men on their team to just kind of be okay and stay afloat. The Wizards are just a stay away from me. This number, I think, feels exactly right, and I don't really know which direction it goes. It probably depends on Beal and Porzingis' health, and I don't want to predict that. I want to see what they look like in preseason because sometimes mm-hmm. you actually do get a good sense of things from there's there. Everyone acts like preseason is useless. The game results are useless, but the overall vibe of how training camp is, does the team play with energy? Do they seem bought in? Is somebody made a big leap that everybody's like, Hey, you know who looks really good in camp? Uh, the wizards are a great candidate. I think for this, the roster's a mess just in terms of, like you said, eighth men, but like, okay, again, I always get to like, how many NBA players do they have? Bradley Beal, NBA player. Uh, Taj Gibson, still probably an NBA player, despite being his 13th season and 400 years old. Uh, DeLon Wright, NBA player. Will Barton, NBA player. Corey Kispert, NBA player. Kyle Kuzma, Monte Morris, Denny Avdia, Daniel Gafford, Kristaps Porzingis, and Rui Hachimura are all NBA players. If you're like, yeah, but they're not good NBA players. Sure, but 36 and a half is not a good NBA team. 38 wins is not a good NBA team. 38 wins is a... Fine, not great NBA team. And that's what you're no. trying to figure out here. It's like, if it all comes together, does this team win 41 games? Maybe 44? Oh boy, that's a lot. That seems mm. like a lot. But like 42 wins? Yeah, okay, sure. Like Beal had, like Wes Unseld had a much, what looked more like the coach he was for the first half of the year than the second half of the year. Um, look, Bradley Beal bailed on the team last year to get surgery so that he could make sure he got his contract. Like that happened again. And so like, that's part of it. They also traded off pieces. Cause it was like, all right, we're not really going anywhere. Let's look at the long-term value. There's not like a lot of upside here in terms of being an exciting team. You want to watch night tonight. No. There's a lot of upside here for it being like, you know, it's just really solid yep. wizards. <laughs> They're just like 15th in offense, 15th in defense and fine. If you gave this roster to Greg Popovich, it would be like, oh, the Wizards are the nine seed and we're watching them in the play-in right now. Oh, the Wizards are right in the mix. Like that's that's it. That's the roster. That is the Spurs you've been watching in recent years where they're just like, they're fine. They're okay. Yeah. They're, they're, they're decent. You got to actually try to beat this team. That's the Wizards. And the number's 35 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> like Monte Morris, Bradley Beal, Will Barton, Kyle Kuzma, Kristaps Porzingis on the nights he plays. That can beat good. That can beat teams. Oh yeah. That and then when I say that can beat teams, I don't just mean the bad ones. Like that can beat the good teams. If the good teams have one of those nights where they're just like, we don't have it. They, they were out a little partying season. a little too much the night before, yep. or they just didn't show up mentally or whatever. This team is going to beat you that night. They are. They're. They're. They're like you talk about like the look in the mirror thing. The Wizards are a look in the mirror team. If you if you look and you and you're feeling a little haggardy that day and you're a little hungover from the night before, you're about to get beat by the Washington Wizards that night. That's what's going to happen to you. Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, a couple other notes here. They were 12 and six in three point games last season, which they, you would suggest there's probably a regression. 
There's not. The win total actually tends to account too much for that. And there's a little bit of a bend to the over for teams that do well in three point game pro- progression. Um, the Wizards were 15 and 14 versus teams below 500 last season, which is not awesome, but it's also not horrible. That's a promising sign. It means that the team was actually able to handle things based off of like when it should win, it, it won quite a bit. Like I said, don't play it now. Let's wait till, till preseason. See what the vibe is. If it's like, oh boy, the Wizards look like a mess. Like they just don't know what, like Rui's not ready and all these, there's an injury, Porzingis is hurt again. Like, just wait, just let, let's see what they look like in preseason. But I do lean over. It might be a best bet for me if they look good in preseason. Finally, Brandon's favorite team on the planet, the Miami Heat. <laughs> Heat culture in effect. The over, there's a 48 and a half in the market. There's an under 49 and a half in the market. That's a pretty good one. Pretty good to just basically be like, are they a 51 team or not? They have no power forward. I asked the guys that locked on on Heat over the summer about this, and they were like, "Yeah, we don't have one. There's there's no power. There's no power forward." They were like, "It's probably going to be Markeith Morris when he eventually resigns, and he signed with the Nets. That was their best case scenario, and it fell through. They do not have a power forward right now. It's Udonis Haslam, maybe. That's like their power forward. And then, what's your projection for the number one seed Eastern Conference finalist, Miami Heat? I mean, this this team wooed Udonis Haslam. They they pulled out the red carpet <laughs> to get Udonis Haslam back. And, and now we know why. They need the man in their starting lineup. I have the Heat at 46 to 52 wins. If that sounds familiar, it should. That is precisely the win range I gave to the Atlanta Hawks. I have them identically equal to each other. We'll talk about that in the division odds. I have the Heat 12th on offense, 4th on defense. I'm a little worried about the defense because... That power forward they don't have anymore is P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker, when he left Houston, the defense dropped from 14th to 27th the following year. P.J. Tucker joined the Bucs. They were elite, historically good, winning a title. They finished 14th last year. Defense is not a one-man game, but those are not good trends for when you leave a team, what is left behind you. P.J. Tucker... He's a very good player. He's part of why I really like Philadelphia this year, and his absence is part of what makes me worried about the Heat. I have the Heat 46 to 52 wins. I feel like I can much more easily see the path where things go really badly than the one where things go well again. Here's my biggest concern. Jimmy Butler is 33 years old, just played his most minutes since the 2019 run in the 17 playoffs. And both of those times, after we had these long, deep runs in the playoffs, he played the fewest games and the fewest minutes of his career in the year right after that. Jimmy Butler is a Tibbs guy. We've talked about this on past years in the podcast. Kyle Lowry is 36, cannot have too many miles left in his tank. And this team, they're deep because they keep finding guys, but you need Butler and Lowry out there. And so no P.J. Tucker, limited Butler from what he's been. He's been awesome the last couple of years, so they need him. I worry about the downside of this team. Yeah, it's a stay away for me because the number is super high. The number is super high, so I can't bet the over. You mentioned they keep finding guys. That's the thing is that this team is, everyone loses their mind about Ty Lue and Nick Nurse and Eric Spolster's over there cranking out great teams over and over and over again. He lost Lowry for months last year. He lost Bam for months last year. He lost Butler for months last year. Number one seed. Duncan Robinson fell off a cliff. Number one seed had to play Max Struess. Had to had to get Max Struess to be like a starting caliber guy. Number one seed. He cultures a thing, and it's built around Riley and a great front office from Ellsberg and Adam Simon. Those guys are top of their absolute fields. Eric Spolster is at the top of his field. Their entire organization is top of its field. So you're like, they need those guys. I don't believe they do. 
this team will find ways to win because they will sneak out that they'll be lying in the reeds and and a team will come in off of a big win versus Memphis and head to Miami and be like, woo, what a great win. Oh, Butler's out. No problem. Uh, what, how are we down seven? It just <laughs> do this. Like they just do. I don't want to bet the overall or everything you talked about. There's no internal improvement here. There's, there's no play young player. I can point to and go like, you know, who's going to be better this season and can step up as that guy. There's nobody. They don't have anybody. So I, I can't go that route. Like the, the, the only way for you to buy into that theory is like bam out of bio finally becomes like an elite player in the league. I'm never going to, I'm not going to bet on that. I'm not going to bet on bam out of bio becoming a higher usage anchor. He's great. He, he should have won DPOI last year if Draymond Green didn't win it, but <laughs> like he's never going to be the offensive hub. He's just not. Um, there's very little to get excited about with that team. They're not sexy, but I will say this teams in the last 10 years that won 50 or more games and then had a win total of less than 50 have gone nine and six to the over. They're going to continue to look at trade opportunities. Like they will continue shopping and trying to make that big move. They didn't get it done with Donovan Mitchell. They didn't get it done with Durant. They will keep looking like this is going to be a team that is always lying in the, in the reeds waiting for a guy that is like, I want to play for the heat because they're a winning organization. The floor for me, Brandon, I think is is higher for me than it is for you mm. based off of your projection. And like that makes a lot of sense given the kind of things I care about. I will say like you talk a lot about the defense. You should believe in the defense and that should probably raise the floor a little bit. Um, even if the offense is bad in the regular season, their ability to just game out wins versus bad yeah. teams should be good enough. I'm going to stay away from it at 48 and a half to 49 and a half. If this was 46 and a half. I definitely be on the over, but it can't be because they won so many games last year. That's the other trend is like teams that win a ton of games the previous year tend to go under. So for me, this is a pure stay away. Yeah, and you're right. The defense does give them a high floor. So when I talk about like the low end outcome, I'm not talking about the bottom just dropping out because yeah, yeah. with heat culture and just with how good the defense is, as long as Bam is out there in particular, like that definitely gives a, a real floor. A lot of the teams that they compare to recent Sixers teams, the Raptors, the Grizzlies from a couple of years ago, the Jazz from a few years ago before the Jazz made the their bigger leap. Those are all teams that are like, yep, 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 those check out. Those were teams that won a bunch of regular season games because the defense was really good and they just showed up every night and they tried hard. Like, that's it. That's what Miami is. We know that. I think the key for me, and I'll talk about a couple division and, and playoff type bets here, because the key for me with, with Miami and Atlanta in comparison to each other, because look, this division, we, we just ruled out the other three teams. This is a Miami, Atlanta, or nothing division. I think that that is pretty clear. The bookmakers have made the lines pretty clear on that as well. With Atlanta, like these lines are similar. But for me, the case for Atlanta is it's all ceiling. Yeah. Like I don't see a big case for why the bottom falls out. And the, the case is just their defense is really bad. But that already happened last year. It can really only be better there. For Miami, the case is way easier for me to, to make the case for the floor with the age and the injuries and the depth. And just really, you look at the rest of the East around them. We, you just said Miami does not have an internal improvement candidate. Miami is not better than last year. They're not. There's not a case for Miami is better than last year. Here's teams that are definitely better than last year. Atlanta, they added DeJounte Murray. Cleveland added Donovan Mitchell. The Celtics were better at the end of the year than they added earlier, and they added more guys. The Nets actually have players. The Sixers got better. The Bucks should be healthier. All the other teams that matter in the conference all got better. The Heat did not. The Heat got worse. So 
why I like Atlanta and the Atlanta division is my favorite play of, of the entire podcast. Atlanta at plus 190. I have the Heat favored actually in the division, but slightly. I told you I have those two win projections the same, 46 to 52. I think the, the Miami median outcome is slightly safer just because of defense. That's how this works. But that basically makes us close to a coin flip. Like Miami, 50 to 52%, Atlanta, 45, 47% range. But at plus 190, yeah. we're implying something more like 35%. And yep. that to me is the best value of anything here. So that's why I want the, the Hawks division. Honestly, the way I want to play this is I bet the Hawks for the division. I will probably come back. Like the dream for me is for the Hawks to start off hot and the Heat to struggle. And then if the Heat get the plus 190, bet them that way. Like, <laughs> and then just get out and yeah, just take it and run. Just take the arbitrage and go. Because I do yeah. think these two teams are pretty even. Like if, so, the Heat, if, the Heat, if the Heat do go to like above like plus 175, I'm going to bet them on the division out of principle, I think. Two more bets for you. One of them is the Matt special. I want to know if you want in on your usual bet you like here. You like your exact finish one, two. Yep. We agree. Like Washington, Charlotte, Orlando ain't happening here. If you just bet, and right now the bet is not up, you can just bet teams to finish top two. That will be out closer to the season. But right now at DraftKings, you can bet Miami, Atlanta, one, two at 125, plus 125. Or you can flip it and go Atlanta, Miami at plus 250. Combine those together, you get a minus 270. So you get a 73% implied that these are the top two teams in the division. Is there a 73% chance that the Hawks and Heat are the top two? How how are the what what's paint me the scenario where they are not the top two? What happened? Trey gets hurt. Okay, everything just implodes for Miami, just like a Jimmy Butler chemical implosion fight on the court during a game. The good team that would jump is I have to think is Washington. Maybe it's Charlotte just because again, like I didn't think they were good last year and they were better. But to me, it's like Washington is the plucky underdog, and Beal has goes back to being scoring leader. And Monte Morris and Will Barton are perfect fits, and Rui Hachimura makes a leap. Um, and somehow, and Porzingis stays healthy, and that gets them. And it's like they sneak in. It's like the Wizards finish 46 wins, and the Hawks win 46 wins, but the Wizards won a tiebreaker game in January when <laughs> Trey had the flu. So it's like, is are all these scenarios 27%? Yeah. I don't think they are. Like they, I don't you, think you, they you are. You just painted just... a lot of things happening for us to get to the implausible scenario. That's why I think this is still a, a decent bet to make. I'm giving you the green light on this one. I know. I, I just I did this last year. This is the last yeah. one. Miami Heat at DraftKings right now are six to one to miss the playoffs, and they are plus two twenty to make the play in. If I believe in the tail end outcomes being bad for this team, and especially in the East. There are five or six teams that are very strong and that cutoff to make the top six seed is going to be tough to get to. I think Miami making the play in is very much in play. Basically that is in, in the way I structure it, that's probably just Miami not winning the division. So you could even play it that way for a slightly better value, make the play in. I don't know if I love miss the playoffs because I think the Heat at least make the play-in and win one of those games and still get in because the Heat culture and Spo and all the guys, and they would just like rest and get healthy. But I like the plus 220 make the play-in. That's, that's the spot where I have Atlanta right now is kind of that fringe five, six, seven, eight range. And with the way that the age and injuries are trending, I think for me, I'm a stay away on the line, the 49 and a half. But we talked about with the Pelicans playing the range of outcomes. I need to play a low-end range of outcome for Miami, and I think that's the way for me to do it. 
I don't want to bet against the Miami team with intentions to win. That's fair. Like a lot of this is, is you kind of talked about it, about the roster. And a lot of this is, is I'm very much focused on how the team is run and how the team is run in Miami is way better than it is in (laughs) any of these other cities in this division. Yeah. Um, And across the league, honestly. Right. And that provides the infrastructure for you to do things like they did last year. But there's also like a case to be made that, yeah, they were able to survive it last year. Can they do it again when things are not in a COVID environment? Again, I just I think this is a no bet for me. I think all these have got to be stay away from me. Like I on principle, I do not want to fade Miami. And (laughs) it's a good principle to have. And on analysis, I do not want to bet Miami. And so. That, that's where I come out on. All right, that's the Southeast Division. We'll be back next week with two more divisions going through the NDA win total. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out Brandon's work on the NFL and everything else. Enjoy the first weekend of NFL action. And we'll see you guys again next time. But as always, let's get pockets. Pockets.